0: This is Haley Nauman, and you're listening to the Maybe Baby Podcast. If you couldn't tell, today's episode is all about melancholy and sadness and depression and not just those things, also happier things, how we deal with those what we're looking forward to when this time is over and some funny stories so you know it's a mixed bag just like life itself this episode is a response to my 32nd newsletter it was called stimulants and I brought on my friend Nora Taylor to discuss it she is a writer and editor for Clever under Architectural Digest. I met her when we both worked at Mandarpeller and we initially bonded over our love of Phoebe Bridgers and being sad in a kind of melancholic, ambient, maybe even d- docile or benign way. And I wanted to kind of check in on how her life as a sad girl is going in 2020, considering a lot of the things that she loves to do, like stay home and be blue. Uh, are feeling a little more forced upon us <laughs> this year so I want to talk to her about that I also just wanted to reminisce about a fun experience we had in 2018 that I mentioned a little bit in my newsletter this week and I also just wanted to catch up with her um, I mean even though I've caught up with her off of off mic as they say um, I thought that she deserved her her moment in the spotlight because you're about to hear her incredible podcasting voice and To that end, I'm also going to read about her incredible fucking hands, which is one of my favorite essays she's ever written about how beautiful her hands are. I'm going to read you a little excerpt so you can get a taste for Nora, and then we'll just jump right into our conversation. Look at My Beautiful Fucking Hands by Nora Taylor. My hands possess a grace, elegance, and refinement the rest of my body and personality do not. Do you know what it is like to be both inspired by and in constant competition with your own hauntingly lithe appendages? It is an exquisite agony, one that I wouldn't trade for the world. While I can barely walk two steps without knocking something over, my hands can easily cover an octave on a steinway, always poised to delight, dazzle, and tinkle the ivories with puckish grace. I stubbornly and unfairly hold them back with my inability to actually play the piano. If only my hands were ever finally set free from the rest of my body, as I know is their only wish, they would take the city by storm. They'd be on the board at Alvin Ailey. They'd discover new artists and quietly support them, not wanting to become a topic of discussion in the art scene themselves. They'd go to different tea shops for different types of loose-leaf teas. They'd own and play a djembe in a drumming circle in a park. They'd have a secret beach. They'd look good in hats. They're not perfect, which is part of what makes them so appealing. They seem perfect, but they're flawed, just like the rest of us. Sometimes when my nails are long, which isn't often, since my nail beds are so large that manicures look striking even when my nails are short, dirt and debris gets caught under them. That's it. That's the one flaw. But my hands aren't objects of exquisite, almost ideal form on their looks alone. They're also so very soft. Once my friend Molly grabbed my hand at a holiday party and was so taken aback by how delicate and richly silken my hands were, like a chocolate mousse delicate yet decadent at the same time, she made everyone touch them. I like to think my hands reminded everyone about the spirit of the holiday season that night, the memory of my gossamer-spun skin warming them as they trudged home through the falling winter snow. For all this, I'd like to thank my hands, and in turn, thank myself for being bold enough to share them with you all this afternoon. I hope you take as much joy and inspiration from them as I do, And when you are lost in this world, feel free to look to my delicate fingers, perfectly sized palms and exquisite nail beds to be a beacon in the dark. Dramatic wave goodbye. Okay, I accidentally read the whole thing. But anyway, here's Nora. I'm moving my mic further away because I've noticed that when I get too excited, I shout into the microphone (laughs) and it like blows out the speaker. But I mean, I don't know how excited I'm going to get in our episode about melancholy, but I feel like we'll find a way.
1: Mm-hmm. This could be the crossover ASMR episode where we just sort of whisper. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Maybe
0: Baby. <laughs> Wait, I feel like you'd actually be a pretty good ASMR artist. Ooh,
1: maybe that's what I'll pivot to in the new year.
0: Oh my god, with those hands? Yeah. You're truly made for YouTube.
1: Oh my gosh. You
0: are made to put people to sleep. <laughs> Welcome to my podcast. (laughs) Um, Well, hello, Nora. Hi, Haley. It's so nice to have you on. I'm
1: thrilled to be here. I'm really excited. I love your buns. Oh, thank you. I'm also wearing an adult onesie. Oh, wow. (laughs) Like, fully. Does it zip all the way to the top? Yeah.
0: Oh, wow. And do you use that ever? Just, like, a full close-up?
1: No, but... I might one day. When you really need to leave the world? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: well, so I brought you on just because I wanted to, but also because you've been on my mind the last week because, A, I keep finding, like, videos and photos of you on my phone. Since it's my new feed, I scroll. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, But also because I feel like we... Initially bonded over being like sad girls in some
1: ways. Yeah, I think, I think maybe it's from Phoebe, right? Yeah, you posted something like Phoebe Bridgers season, and I was like, uh oh, a <laughs> companion in this sort of vibe. <laughs> yeah, and you wrote some good pieces. Uh, or
0: you re- you wrote about feeling melancholy and like embracing your melancholy, which I actually I pulled some quotes from it that we can I'm gonna read later, but. Um,
1: Whoa. It's crazy outside. So windy. Did you just hear that? No, I didn't hear it on your end.
0: Okay. i have like, yeah. my screen is broken on my, like, sliding door, and it just bangs violently every time the wind blows. Anyway. How perfect
1: for this conversation.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was actually thinking that. I was like, it's stormy. hmm Um, I know that will make you happy. Mm-hmm. Storm queen. Um... But I also want to talk to you about, like, melancholy versus depression and, like, how you differentiate between those two. Or we could just, like, talk about what we think the differences are. And I have, like, I've also read some pieces that I think we could bring into that I think had, like, interesting perspectives on this. Mm -hmm. But I've been sort of, I think I've been finding it harder to feel, like, cute in my sadness this year. (laughs)
1: 100%.
0: Yeah. Okay. Great. Well, I'm curious. I wanted to maybe like get your update on like your relationship with melancholy in 2020 and like you love to stay home. So I'm wondering like now that you have to, <laughs> <laughs> like, how has that changed? Like, give me the whole update on being a sad girl in 2020.
1: Uh, I mean, early on in the pandemic, my therapist was like, you know, I want to acknowledge the fear and all the stress and all of that. But like, this is the lifestyle you've always said you wanted. And I was like, <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah, I feel like you said that early on when we were texting once. Like, at at Mm -hmm. the very beginning, you were like, okay, maybe this is actually not that bad.
1: Yeah. The change. My day-to-day, yeah. Yeah, your day-to-day, sorry, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I was thinking about it today, and I actually, I was parsing through the idea of, like, if I have felt particularly melancholy the past seven months, eight months, um, and I don't know if I necessarily have I feel like so many other particular emotions have happened for me mm-hmm. in um since March in a way that melancholy has sort of always been like a broad strokes emotion to me like, yeah, it's this sort of like catch all feeling of an like an internal ambiance i guess um And I have just been going through periods of feeling very identifiable, very particular emotions. Mm -hmm. Um, And then nothing at all, (laughs) which I think is where the depression stuff kicks in. Um, But yeah, and I so I was really sort of like thinking about it more concretely today than I have in a while and why it hasn't been as present as it has in the past, even when I still like drink a mug mug of tea with both hands and like (laughs) listen to my sad shit and all of that. Um, So yeah, I don't know. I think it is, it wasn't active. I've never felt the melancholy as like an indulgent emotion necessarily. I wasn't trying to force myself into these kind of like concrete feelings and thoughts. It just hasn't really been Been present in the way that it has in the past.
0: How would you describe melancholy? Or like, let me see, because I think you described it. Um. Okay, wait. I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read a little, um, a little excerpt from
1: your melancholy piece. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Are you ready? (laughs) Because you explained it. I'm gonna get back up into my hoodie now. (laughs) You do this.
0: Okay. Um, for me, melancholy is an active emotional state but it's a simmer rather than a boil, grayscale instead of black and white. I've spent the past few years feeling so fucking mad all the time in a society that doesn't accept anger, especially black female anger, that this feels like an intentional release of the pressure valve that contains my rage and fury. Melancholia has become the way that I keep from blowing up or becoming completely numb. Does that still resonate for you? Or change, Um, like, your thoughts on the last
1: months? I think I have gotten a lot more viscerally angry mm-hmm. and like expressive about that anger um which might explain why that is less present for me but I think that it that still does hold the sort of it does it, it sounds right to me in the way that it still feels I just don't know if the reason is there necessarily yeah but I guess by my equation of, like, I've been feeling pointed emotions and being angry and feeling nothing, those are the two things I point out as it being the substitute for. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay, so one, one thing I was thinking about when I was thinking through this, and because I've been feeling the same way where I don't think I've been... For me, melancholy is a more pleasant form of blueness. Mm-hmm. And I think we both watched that, like, um, School of Life video yeah, that, that the philosopher Alain de Baton reads, where he says, um, "Melancholy is a species of sadness that arises when we're open to the fact that life is inherently difficult." So I think like the way you put it is that it's like when you're saying it's like it's not specific. It's because it's kind of ambient, right? It's like not mm-hmm. you're like you're not going through like a personal tragedy necessarily, like or or me, but we are just sort of indulging in like feeling the weight of the world in a more general sense. And it's like a safe, it's a safe distance almost, like
1: experience sadness. Where you're like, there's going to be tragedy. I'm going to feel it. There's going to be great tragedy. But it is, I think, still, even that is so unspecific.
0: Yeah, so maybe in a way it's like, it is an indulgence, right? It's like something that you don't have to feel, but you're choosing to. I was thinking Mm -hmm. about this Leslie Jameson. Do you know Leslie Jameson? Mm Mm-mm. She, she wrote this great, um, I, I've quoted it before in another newsletter, but she wrote a really great piece called In Defense of Saccharin that was all about, like, our relationship with sentimentality and how there's, like, something sort of, I feel like we share this because you're also, I think of you as being pretty, like, um, like, maybe sardonic or a little, like, ironic or a little, like, eye roll which is I funny. I think that's
1: a fair characterization.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, like, it's funny next to, like, your more indulgent side, right, because these are almost, like they're almost a little bit contrasted Mm -hmm. because, and there's something about like sentimentality. And I'm the same way where like, I don't want to be super earnest online, even though like, I want to like look out a train window and be like, Ooh. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And she describes it as like an indulgence, like, or I think she quoted Oscar Wilde as saying a sentimentalist is simply one who desires to have the luxury of a of an emotion without paying for it. So you're like, Maybe you're like crying in a train window, but like you don't really have anything to cry about.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's like it's like indulgent. It's like a treat. mm hmm And it, it's safe. Yeah, it's safe. It's safe, and it is I think the thing that does feel like safe and indulgent about it is that it's easy to snap out of. mm-hmm. Because it is feeling like you're kind of like, all right, I'm acknowledging this. I'm dipping into it, and I'm done. It has served what I needed to serve in this moment. Like, music off. Let's go outside. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's why it's not maybe not
0: hitting the same mm-hmm. in the core. Yeah. <laughs> because it's like there's too much present to feel, like,
1: more pointedly sad about
0: or distressed.
1: Yeah. Well, it's also like... I feel like when I pull out of one, I would like, sort of sad emotion or anger or all of that, it's just kind of like there's another one waiting for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I would say, though, like, my general, I have been very lucky. Um, mm-hmm. I've stayed employed. I've stayed healthy. My immediate family has stayed healthy. And so I, my day-to-day is pretty even with moments of, this is where, like, gratitude has really been keeping me grounded and just sort of being like, all right, I'm doing a job that I like in a, an apartment that I like, like, great. Um, and I guess that's sort of... Oh, I lost my train of thought. Um,
0: but maybe bigger picture? Because were you going to compare, like, day-to-day versus, like, a broader...
1: Yeah, and just sort of, like, there's just this laundry list of fucked-up shit that is so... Immediate and inund- inundating in like every single way, and like I think sort of that everyone in our collective is going through it. You can have kind of an empathy overload in a way where like all of my non-specific emotional energy, I think, is outward now, like towards other people, with other people, and there isn't enough left for myself. And that's not a bad thing. I don't feel emotionally spent necessarily, but I think that like reserve of willingly tapping into feeling something unspecific or something kind of heady is gone.
0: That's really interesting. So it's almost like if we think of sentimentality or melancholy as a maybe like more self-indulgent emotion, Mm -hmm. it doesn't really feel like the time for self-indulgence because we're in really lucky positions, you know, we don't need to be indulged like other people are more
1: in need, almost like that. I mean and I don't think anyone should feel bad about having moments of self-reflection. I just haven't I haven't felt the need to turn inward in a way that I uh, have in the past. And I think part of that is just like maybe I was thinking a lot about like what the companion emotion of melancholy is and I was just sort of like maybe it's like amazement or wonderment because when you see something and you're kind of like, wow, I'm so inspired by it and like stimulated by it and like engaged and like my brain is firing and my heart is firing and I don't really know why. Like without that and those moments to kind of compare and like hold with whatever your, whatever's going on with you, it feels kind of empty. Like the fodder for that kind of feeling is gone.
0: Yeah, because it's, like ev- – because everything is so flat, which, I mean, I think that's yes. what kind of gets me to the more, like, depressive side. Yeah. Because I just feel, like – like, I just feel all the time, like, I just want to, like, get back in bed, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And it's, like, just – it's, the classic – I mean, like, and I, I – I, I I don't know if you heard my newsletter, but I was talking about how I, like, deleted social media. Or I, yeah. I texted you about this anyway, but mm-hmm. – um, I really... I refuse to be one of those people who, like, doesn't stop talking about how I deleted social media after I deleted social media. <laughs> but let me expound upon this for you. Um, but, like, I realized that it's such a tick to, like, go to it to avoid my emotions. hmm And, like, without it, I feel really, like, fla- like I'm, like, flailing emotionally. Yeah. Um, but in my house, like, without it, I don't know, I feel like quitting social media in quarantine is different than in the normal world, because I feel like, well, now I really don't have anything. Like, yeah. I'm, like, really bored. <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, maybe it's, like, a good bored. I'm, like, wondering, like, where I put all this, like... I'm so used to, like, using these, these like, means yeah. of connection, and I'm, like...
1: Has your attention span changed during quarantine?
0: I feel like I've gone really through in and out. Like, I remember there was a time in the first few months where everybody was like, I can't read, and I was, like, reading a lot. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm really having trouble reading.
1: Yeah. How about you? It has... It's been pretty shot, I think. Yeah. Because I'm just kind of distracting to distract myself rather than actively engaging in things. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... But yeah, I think that depending on where you're falling on that like spectrum of attention span stuff, not having social media to be like, okay, well this is new and <laughs> is yeah. bringing something like buzzing something new into my brain um, can be really. You're probably just going through withdrawal. I always like. <laughs> yeah, I remember I quit it my first year out of college when you kind of didn't know how to like not be surrounded by friends all the time and I remember it feeling like the loneliest I'd ever felt that's was just so like, interesting I don't know what people are doing I don't know what the people I care about are doing like it just felt very isolating and obviously you're much older than a 22 year old fresh out of college <laughs> but I think kind of the same thing of like I'm not surrounded by people in a way that is I'm used to like social media feels with like was a lifeline in that yeah but it also fucking sucks it's so awful.
0: It's just, it was making me mad at people I liked, mm-hmm. and I was like, "This is not the time." <laughs> like, or at least, you know, I, I just wanted to take a breather after the election and just sort of feel like, okay. At some point, like I do think engagement is like responsible and necessary, but and I'm still reading the news and everything, but just in terms of like the social level, I was just like, this is so draining emotionally. Like I'm finding mm-hmm. I'm like getting in fights with people in my head at two a.m. <laughs> it's completely absurd. It's like so. It's so crazy. And not even people who are like engaging with me personally. It's just like someone I saw, like a like a kind of like a line of argument that's that's going around or something that like I think is, like ill conceived or something. Like I just like it's it's so crazy. Like I just can't, yeah. Ugh. And it's but I, I'm excited. I'm I'm glad you brought up the like social connection thing because, one thing I've been thinking is that, it's it's kind of like an unreliable stand-in and you. And when you don't have it, I'm wondering if, I mean, and this is like welcome to every essay about why it's good to quit social media, but like once you realize you're lacking those connections and you have to seek them out in like more real ways, you're almost pushed towards like actually fulfilling your needs versus like sort of artificially like
1: getting by. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, there is that thing of like, I don't know. It's so much easier to respond to someone's like message on an Instagram post than it is to like write a text sometimes. Yeah, I think there is that kind of weird space of like easy, fast, low stakes communication that I imagine would be hard to part with right now. Mm -hmm. But I also like talk about like memes like it's what happened to my day. Like what's new? And I'm like, Wendy Williams was on The Masked Singer, and it's just like, oh my god, no.
0: Wait, what's your relationship with Instagram? Because I feel like you were always like more reluctant. Like you don't
1: post very much. I don't post very much. But are you on it? Yeah, you are. Yeah. Do you feel like you're on a lot? Um, part of it is out of professional necessity. Um, and then I set my like daily allotment for 30 minutes and I blow through that it's easy
0: <laughs> and then do you easy. say like keep going or do you like listen to it when it goes on I keep going um, <laughs> that's so you add a little shame into your practice
1: yeah yeah it's like half an hour okay <laughs> um yeah I also just like I'm on a lot of group chats in Instagram which feels less annoying than a group text <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I don't ever want to be in a group text with more than, like, two other people, but, like, an Instagram group, fine. I was really. I guess Twitter burns me out more than Instagram, so just by comparison.
0: Interesting. I feel like I'm the opposite. Mm. I think it's for me, it's because my Twitter feed is more leftist. Yeah. Than my Instagram feed, which is a little bit more. I think it just t- it tends more like performative or something, like there's a little bit more like of the like political like trends mm-hmm where I think I just follow more like actual like um like activists and like academics political and stuff on journalists twitter and, yeah, so I feel more enriched, whereas Instagram I think it makes me annoyed,
1: <laughs> yeah, I've also just kind of stopped posting politically because it is. Like, I don't have a ton of followers, so it's, like, people who know me, so it's very much just screaming into, like, preaching to the choir and screaming to avoid. Like, it feels very hard to, and maybe that's why Twitter stresses me out more, is it feels like there's more space to come up with something original. <laughs> and I'm just like, ah, no thanks. Um, <laughs> yeah. And on an Instagram. Um,
0: yeah, yeah. But, I used to be the opposite. I did, I mean, yes, Instagram, I guess it depends. Instagram can be more fun during some times than other times Mm -hmm. i don't know it's probably my fault i need to like cleanse the feed
1: (laughs) yeah or just like get through this rough patch and then maybe you'll emerge a new like yeah yeah less socially engaged person also people look to you for content in a way that people don't look look to me they should
0: they should nora everyone follow nora (laughs) <laughs> now, you changed your at, though, which makes me sad. I liked your B mm. Arthur one.
1: Well, no one no one read it right, so people would be like Black Bear and I'm like no, B Arthur. What?
0: <laughs> oh my god, I always knew. I always knew. Um Wait, what is it now?
1: Just Nora Taylor LLC. Okay, I like that too. I like that too. Um Yeah. Yeah.
0: I see something that you said reminded me of um this this other piece I recently uh, Posted. do you know who Harmony Holiday is? I didn't know mm-hmm. who that was, so no pressure. <laughs> um, it sounds like someone famous or like a hotel, but it's just a writer. Or a YA author,
1: a ri- YA writer.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. Um, but she was writing about quietness in music. Mm. I think it was black music specifically, but it, like. I remember her opening lead. Wait, let me open it, because it really reminded me of something you just said, which was... I think I actually still have it open. Um, okay, so she... Oh, she differentiated between quietness and silence in a way that it reminds me of how you differentiate between melancholy and depression. hmm I'm going to read it. What we mean by quiet or quietness in music is acquiescence to the sound that's already there, the act of creating the space to stop and listen, the refusal to be imposed upon by others' organization of that sound into meaning, where complete silence can be frigid and mortified... Quiet resurrects and builds on murmur, gasp, brush, innuendo. Intentional incompletion that holds space for accompaniment but does not require it. Silence is severe. Quiet is casual, sometimes a little timid, warm, inviting. It fidgets and teases disruption. Quiet feels stolen and temporary where silence is totalizing. Doesn't that sound kind of similar? Yeah. Yeah. And, like, melancholy, it's, like, you need Like, I think that I feel, like, melancholy in a good way when I'm, like, out in the world.
1: hmm
0: I mean, I could be home, too, but that's when, like, home it feels novel because I've been, like, out all day. Yeah. <laughs> there needs to be, like, almost, like, novelty is, like, important and, like, space and sound and sort of, like, stimuli.
1: hmm Even
0: emotional stimuli, whether it's, like, walking by, like, a... I don't know, making melancholy sound a lot more positive when, like, it's kind of a sad feeling.
1: Yeah. I don't know. There there is something where you're, like... There is, again, I think you're right. There has to be some sort of outside something. Because when we talk about melancholy, we're always just, like, rain and music and it's never just, like, sitting in a chair. Um.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you're right. That sounds more like depression.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that is definitely it. Um, Yeah, and I think that is part of that choice, right? You are moving around through something you are engaging something you are you know and then you can be like all right i've had enough of this. i'm going to walk into a mcdonald's like there is that <laughs> aspect of it yeah yeah um, yeah yeah it's also, also like the difference between like loneliness and being alone where mm-hmm.
0: like intentionality is there's like some sort of embracing of the 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 conditions maybe mm-hmm. that's what it is like we're so we don't we don't get to control any of Our
1: environments right now, they're very, like, imposed upon us. One hundred percent. And also, like, walking is still, it doesn't actively feel scary, but I do have moments sometimes where I'm just like, oh.
0: (laughs) Yeah, like, everybody's around coughing. Yeah,
1: yeah. Dude, all all night,
0: we went to get a COVID test recently. Like, there's, we have, like, a pharmacy on the corner of our block. And we were standing, like, six feet behind this lady. It was inside a pharmacy, and there's, like, a window where they're, like, passing COVID tests. And you had to do it right there. It was self-administered. Oh. Have you done the self-administered, like, nasal no. swab? it's Wait, have you had the nasal swab done to you? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. It's so bad, right?
1: Yeah, I, can, I, couldn't, go, I couldn't do it all my, myself. How wait, do you get all the way
0: up there? It's horrible. Wait, first of all, I actually think it was but It was worse to do it, get it done though. Okay. I prefer to do it myself because at least you have some control. I don't, <laughs> it's awful, but like you just tilt your head back and you put it back and then they, they count to 15 as you like turn mm-hmm. it around. You have to do both nostrils. But anyway, it really, really makes you sneeze. It like tickles your sneeze button. And so, like, this lady in front of us, like, completely sneezed without a mask, just like all over. The area, yeah, which is just like the number one risk droplets. Cutter. Droplets was, like,
1: abound. Yeah, yeah,
0: and I was like, this is like, and like, I don't know why she came. Like, maybe somebody in her household has COVID, and like, it's just the so stupid like irony of like, we're all coming to get tested to be safe, and yet like, you have to do this thing that makes you sneeze, and then <laughs> yeah,
1: in the company of others, yeah,
0: yeah. We got up to the front. We were like, let us know if hers is positive, please, because we need to quarantine. <laughs> Anyway, but then we had to sneeze right after when we did ours, too. But we did put our masks on, at least.
1: Yeah. What Ugh. a nightmare.
0: Tickling the brain. It's really, really bad. Yeah. Anyway, I think I was a little bit excited when it got cold in the sunset. I was like, oh, maybe we'll feel, like,
1: cozy inside instead of trapped. Mm-hmm. I don't <sighs> know why the sun setting at 430 now hits <laughs> so much harder than it did... When we were at work, like, I distinctly remember it being dark in the office, but it was still just kind of like, whatever. Like, yeah,
0: it's so, so, so much worse. I cannot believe that we're still doing daylight savings time. I know. Like, are there, I mean, are there farmers in New York who we're doing it for? I mean, I know there are farms in New York. (laughs) I'm sure they don't want it either. We should contact them personally. I feel Nobody like they have this. big lights, right? Like, big
1: baseball field-style lights. Yeah, okay, let's bring this to Congress. I feel yeah. like we can work this out. Knock, knock, have you guys heard of lights? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's really bad. It's like, I mean, just to state the complete obvious, it's super depressing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, I'm throwing around the term depression. I feel like, obviously, like major depression is is maybe different from what I'm talking about. Mine's definitely like, circumstantial but it is a very specific feeling and it's different from like sadness it's like I think you described it as like a flatness Mm -hmm. and it's like just a complete inability to imagine that things are gonna get better yeah it's like a complete lack of optimism
1: yeah and I don't know it's just been hard because it's like I guess yes I am having these like moments of depression but also like It's always like, oh, you know, doing tasks that used to like bring you joy no longer bring you joy or like the the daily sort of upkeep gets harder. And it's just sort of like, is that depression or is it just the fact that I've been doing my dishes (laughs) at the exact same time in the exact same way every day for the past seven months? Like all of the symptoms are kind of our life right now. Um, Oh,
0: my God. That's exactly. I don't know if you saw, but I wrote a story in the cut. Early on, yes. yeah, that was about how like quarantine like basically creates the conditions for depression. Mm-hmm. Like you don't leave your home, like you don't have any excitement for the future. You like have no energy to like take care of yourself or whatever. Yep,
1: here we yeah. are.
0: I know. I think like the one thing that I've been like kind of worried about is just feeling like pressure to like access to different emotions. I'm like. I'm just worried that I can't keep writing about being sad.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) It gets old. Or just sort of like cry me a fucking river.
1: (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, everything feels tedious right now, which is a privilege of our safety. But like, Mm -hmm. it's just a fact that there are many people who are in the same boat boat as we are. Like, I used to love cooking. I used to love baking. And now I'm just like... Let's zap a mock chicken patty. Like, it is all... A mock chicken?
0: What's a mock chicken patty?
1: A mock chicken patty.
0: Oh, wait. I, are they kind of, like, fake breaded?
1: Yeah. I love those things. They're wait, I was just the, talking to my friend about those. They're the best vessel for ketchup that one 100%. can hundred percent. Agree. Do you yeah. put it on a bun or just eat it plain? Eat it plain. Sometimes <laughs> I will... This is such a quarantine conversation. Sometimes I'll break it up and I'll make myself a barbecue chicken salad.
0: Ooh, love it, love it. Yeah, it's so funny because that's like that's the meal that my siblings always make fun of me for. Like just like a, a a mock chicken patty like on a plate with just a pile of ketchup next to it and like a fork. Yep, <laughs> it's like the, the saddest the saddest meal one could eat. I'm one into mock sphere. meat. Yeah, I like it. If if all of my meat was just replaced with mock meat, I think I'd be happy. I know that there are vegetarians who, like, don't want mock meat because... Or fake meat or whatever you call it, but... Because they, like, don't like meat, but... Yeah.
1: I unfortunately do. I feel like they just need to give up on making sausage. Like, there will never be a delicious fake mm. sausage. Everything else, great. Um... Especially but chicken yeah. nuggets, because chicken nuggets, like, aren't actual chicken anyway. I am baffled McDonald's ha- didn't release mock chicken nuggets ten years ago. It's like, my dudes, it's pink goo. Just make it non-meat pink goo, and we'll <laughs> keep it moving. Like, I don't get it. Wait, did they now, when they released the, like, McPlant burger? I think that that's just a burger. I don't know if it's a nugget form yet. Oh, so they still
0: haven't done that. Because literally, yeah. Chick- yeah, exactly what you said. Like, chick- fake chicken nuggets taste exactly
1: the same. Mm-hmm. Exactly. McDonald's hear our plea,
0: <laughs> I know that you are you're a fan of McDonald's right? You have a little mm-hmm. tattoo mm-hmm. still going <laughs> not strong, to, not to blow up your <laughs> spot
1: no i i'm I wear it proudly <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: wait, let me look at I have some other random notes. What are some of your Well, I was going to say we could delve into, like, our coping mechanisms, but maybe they're just not as, like, accessible these days.
1: Yeah. I mean, my sad lamp has been working wonders.
0: Oh, I don't have that. One of those.
1: I I do it first thing in the morning. Like, switching to that has been helpful rather than just being like, I feel bummed out and turning it on at four. Like, I plug it. It's right next to... This is my work setup so it's right next to my computer, so I'll like make a cup of coffee and as soon as I start my day I'll plug my lamp on. And
0: mm-hmm. then that
1: kind of helps. helps but it does it
0: actually look like daylight? No, it, it looks
1: like you're in a weird it looks like you're in a weird C V S. Like it's very fluorescent. See that's um, bad vibes though. <laughs> yeah, but it helps. And then you can go back to your nice I just do, you do it for like thirty minutes a day. So it's like put on the daily, drink coffee, have my sad lamp going. Okay. And then cling to what what joy I can.
0: I can get behind that.
1: Yeah. One
0: other thing that I think is really going to help is if there's actually a vaccine. Because I think that, like, I keep coming back to the idea of optimism, which is, like, a really obvious thing to point to when you're talking about sadness. But I think that it's very important to have a sense of the future. And Mm -hmm. when you don't feel... Like, I remember us going through this when, like, Avi was unemployed at some... There was, like, a little period last year um, when Avi was, like, looking for a job. And I think... I kept trying to, like, make plans for the future. hmm Like, not on purpose. I was just, like, coming up with things. I was like, what if we, like, move to this neighborhood? And I was just, like, being playful. And it was just, like... It was sort of triggering for him. And it just, like, put him in a bad space, and it, it came, after we talked about it a little more, I, I realized that it was because, like, he didn't really have, like, a sense of the future, and it was making him kind of depressed. Yeah. And I remember, actually, the story was, I don't know if he's going to like me telling this whole story, but, but actually, he didn't say he was depressed, but I was telling my therapist about what he said, and she was like, oh, he sounds depressed. And the, specifically what it was, was him not feeling like there was anything coming like, anything yeah. to look forward to. And it's just, like, such a specific depression feeling. It's, like, it, even if it gets, like, quote-unquote better, like, it's still going to be bad because, like, life is just, like, a series of miserable challenges and mm-hmm. they never stop coming and everybody's fake and we'll never really understand each other and, like, whatever, whatever you go through yeah. in your head.
1: It's, like, anyone who has ever tried to hunt for a job where the, while they're absolutely miserable at their current job, it's impossible. Because they're just like all jobs are bad. I'll never be satisfied. I don't even know if I, why bother leaving. But then if you're in a job that you like, kind of like, but are like, oh, I could be challenged. You're like, yeah, there are like seventeen different things I'd love to do. Like, it's oh my just god, that, yeah,
0: that's such an interesting point. Like, the, yeah, it's it's a chain reaction
1: mm-hmm. in in
0: opposite directions. I, that's been obviously like a big part of why this has been hard. Aside from just being inside and not having social connections, there's this sense of like not having any end in sight. Yeah. Or any and always, faith, yeah.
1: They always say you're happier planning a vacation than you are being on vacation. So even that's that so like, true liminal space of looking forward to something is just kind of like we can't even can't even do that. That's you know what
0: I always think that's kind of depressing though. Like, <laughs> like you, I totally agree. But then I'm like, wow. So is all of life just kind of a lie? <laughs> you know I, what I mean? The reason you're int- excited, anticipating it is because you think it's going to be really good. Mm-hmm. But if it doesn't live up to
1: that, doesn't that isn't that kind of sad? Or if it, like no- nothing ever really lives up to your anticipation? It, yeah, it's just sort of like you have a <laughs> fantasy, and then you have life. Like, and even if your vacation is fine, there's like there's going to be a day when it rains. You might get bitten by mosquitoes. You might like you know, there are all these like little inconveniences of living that will always make it worse than fantasizing. It's like dating someone the first three dates. You're like, you're perfect. We're made for each other. And then later (laughs) you're like, Oh, you don't close the door when you pee. Like, it's just sort of like, there's always, there's always this human element that will.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes. That's funny. I was just talking about, um, wait, was this on the podcast? Yeah, I was. This is on my podcast last week. I was talking about how I was in Paris for... Were you at Manipolar when I was, like, in Paris for the 2016 election? No. Mm-mm. You, were, you joined in, like, 2017, 2018? Yeah. 2018? Um, yeah. 2018, okay. Whoa, it's crazy stormy it's, outside. It's...
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, but I was just having a bad time, and, like, he gave me this, like, massive pep talk.
1: Because um, I was Wait, traveling alone
0: Obvi, sorry I forgot okay. to like set up this I already told this last week so I shouldn't retell it But he gave me this massive pep, t- pep talk That like amounted to what you just said Which is just like um, Like it's that's just like part of what, That's like what traveling is it's, it's like life it's like it's a lot of inconveniences And a lot of like dealing with things Not being how you expected them to be And that's like part of the experience It's like it's kind of like what travel is supposed to be And that's like why it brings meaning And it's like life mm-hmm. too But you need to
1: have the good stuff peppered in. (laughs) To balance it out. Yeah.
0: Which we're lacking
1: right now. (laughs) It was, my brother and his wife called it this week that they're not going to come. We were all going to meet up in Chicago for Christmas. And they were just like, just doesn't make sense. We would have to fly. We'd have to fly back. And they called it. And I was just like, theoretically, it's sad. But I hadn't bet on anything. Like, everything has this sense of you're like... Not even, like, one foot out the door. You're, like, toe... You're dipping your toe in the plans and, like, the desires of the future. And that just makes it hard.
0: (laughs) Oh, my God. I know. So much of life is, like, anticipation.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Propelling yourself forward towards something. Um, And the thing that we're, like... I have often found, like, discomfort or, like, anger at something being a powerful force to move myself forward. Um... But, like, this isn't even anything that we can use to immediately charge ourselves up. Like, yeah. definitely politically, for sure, but like, yeah. it's not gonna get us to stick to our exercise routine.
0: Right. Whenever. And I feel like activists are always talking about how like anger needs to be balanced with like joy and compassion. Mm-hmm. I think maybe that was what was getting me down by social media, is just feeling like I was just annoyed at people. There was no compassion on mm-hmm. my end, and that's just, like, not a good, uh, like, a fertile environment for, like, social nourishment. <laughs> yeah. it's just It's just, like, so one-sided. Yeah. Wait, your comment about dating reminded me, have you been doing any, like, online dating in, the, in like, the
1: pandemic? I, in October... I was like, all right, we're about to get to the third wave. I've got to try and, like, lock somebody <laughs> down. Cuffing and season? I w- <laughs> Cuffing On season. steroids? Exactly. <laughs> um, and I went on the worst date of my life. <gasps> no! <laughs> so he, we're like, he's like, what should we do? And I was like, well, how about we – he lived in Manhattan. And I was like, how mm-hmm. about we meet in Dumbo, get a coffee, and, like, go sit by the water? Nice outside date. Love it. What coffee shop? I pick one, and I say it's this one, and then I say the street that it's on. There's only one other one, and it's in Williamsburg. Date rolls around. He is at the one in Williamsburg.
0: No. Wait, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. What's it called? Uh, uh, Butler. Oh, never mind. That's not the one I was thinking.
1: And then he is like, if you give me 15 minutes, I'll hop in an Uber, and I'll get there. And I'm like, you know what? We're all not breaking our routines. I get it like new stuff doesn't happen he can we can meet there and then I get a call and he's like I'm here Or I get a text and he's like I'm here nobody knew who sort of fit the description was there and then he calls me and he's like so I went to the right address but the right address in Manhattan <gasps> oh my god um yeah and so then I still was like all right I guess we'll meet up at another time and he's like, totally wait. So you drink. were just canceled? Yeah, it was just like it seems like you've had a day. Like you're already in Manhattan. Go home. I was like ready to go home. <laughs> no, Nora. So then, like, we decide to meet up at another thing, another time, and it's just like not a match. And he had said he would get my drink as penance for messing it up, and he was still like want to split it, and I was just like, I'm incensed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no. Wait, why was he? Why, why wasn't he a match? He was just like boring.
1: Yeah. Or, I think the things he... Pho- yeah, yeah. Boring to me. I don't want to say <laughs> that yeah, he's boring Boring to you, boring to you. Yeah, boring yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
0: Wait, and then yeah. did you just give up? Like, on the, dating after
1: that? Then I went on, like, one more date, and we talked on the phone this time. Smart. And he's like, seemed fine, seemed great. And, like, we had two really good dates, and then... It was, like, third date time, and it was, like, getting too cold to really hang outside. And I got so panicky about, like, both the logistics of, okay, do I get a COVID test? Does he get a COVID test? Like, where do we agree to meet? And then, like, what is the implication of that? Like, if I'm going to be in his house, I mean, we might as hell have sex. Like, I'm not wasting a COVID t- Like, I just <laughs> spiraled out on it. No. And so that did not go and any so further you never had the date Mm-mm. and I can commu- I communicated that I was like I think you're really neat and under normal circumstances wonderful but like I'm not in the headspace for it
0: yeah
1: um so yeah
0: it's so complicated
1: to it's date so right complicated now. have you
0: yeah ha- I, well I guess Emily met somebody I was mm-hmm. trying to think of anybody I knew had, like, gotten together with somebody
1: during the pandemic. Yeah. I don't really know anyone who has met someone during the pandemic. Me and either. I'm also just not a dater under regular circumstances. Like, I'm usually just kind of like, yeah, all right, this could be fun. Um, yeah. So to then, like, add a layer of pressure, I was just kind of like, oh, mm, no. <laughs> yeah. I've never watched The Sopranos. Maybe I'll just do that instead of having a partner.
0: <laughs> Wait, are you actually watching The Sopranos?
1: I'm going to start, yeah. I'm watching Queen's Gambit right now.
0: Wait, I just... Okay, now I'm seeming like a TV addict, but I also just finished Queen's Gambit.
1: (laughs) It was a good distraction. I have, like, two more episodes to go.
0: Yeah, it's definitely, like, a... It's a a shiny, corny Netflix show, but, like, very entertaining.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's... And that little Love Actually guy is, like, a (gasps) grown-up man. Wait. I found out that I couldn't place him...
0: And then I looked up on IMDb yesterday and I could not believe it was the kid from Love Actually. Yeah.
1: Well, and also he's 30. I was like, oh, he's just like a handsome 24 year old. And I'm like, no, he's 30. Like never in my life had I thought that we were sort of close to in age. <laughs> Wait was like a minute. A small baby. Wait, you're right. But when did Love Actually come out?
0: Because I was older than that kid when that movie came out.
1: Let's see. Love Actually. That's my blowing my mind. Me, my friend couldn't remember. It, 2003. My friend couldn't remember the name of Love Actually the other day and she's like, Oh pip, pip, it's Christmas. (laughs) That's not (laughs) not the name of the movie.
0: Wait, are you a (laughs) fan of
1: Love Actually? Um Yeah, I'm I'm not one of the people who hates it and I don't love it. I'm a I'm a family stone person. Family Stone Because again it is a much more melancholy.
0: (laughs) Yes, true, 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 true. Wait, you know, we I just realized we haven't talked about yet. Mm. Our writing workshop.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: Oh, we haven't even gotten to the best part.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: (laughs) It's actually not that related to sadness and melancholy, but that's good work. We're going to end on, like, a higher note. Yeah. Okay, wait. Can you remember, like, where we... You found the writers' workshop, right? Uh,
1: Yeah, through Rachel Miller, who used to work at BuzzFeed, has a newsletter that I like. And she had gone up a bunch. She'd done, like, silent retreats and done the writing thing. And I, like, clicked on it. And I'm like, this looks great. Yeah, it was also, like, 60 bucks or something. Yes. It was, like, very inexpensive. And we got lunch.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, lunch was included. Wait, I just remember now that Ashley Ford was originally going to come with us. Do you remember that? Yeah. Oh, my God. I actually, it's so, I'm, like, laughing now, imagining that Ashley, if Ashley had come. I totally forgot about that. (laughs) Because, like, because we were going to, like, we were almost going to, like, make a night of it. Mm Mm-hmm. Wait, because you could stay the
1: night. You could stay the night. It was, Wait, like, now dorm I forgot. style. Wait, but can yeah. you imagine if we had done that? <laughs> I think we looked at the rooms, which were just, like, two twin beds and a Bible. And we were, like...
0: <laughs> Wait, but actually, I think that we were kind of into the idea. But then we were, like... Something came up, and we were like, "Maybe we should just go for the day." But mm-hmm. anyway, so this was upstate. I'm so, you know what? After we had that workshop, I completely forgot that we almost stayed the night, and I'm laughing. I almost wish now that we had because that would have been completely
1: insane.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait. So we took like a it was like a two hour train or something, right? Mm-hmm.
1: The Metro North up,
0: yeah. To Mariondale Center. Mm-hmm. We love we love Mariondale.
1: Yeah. If you have the opportunity to go, I think I would say go. It is a good experience.
0: Yeah. Okay. So this was held. So we got there. I think that we both had in our mind. I was picturing something different. <laughs> a little more
1: structured and rigorous, perhaps.
0: Yeah. And, like, maybe mm-hmm. more of, like, I guess I expected maybe more people and maybe, mm-hmm. like, a more retreat vibe. Yes. It but... W-
1: I would describe the, the, the vibe as, like, back of a church. It was, like, an old Catholic high school or something that they had turned into a retreat center.
0: <laughs> Wait, I, I thought it was, like, an actual church.
1: Oh, maybe it was. There was, or maybe it
0: was both. It felt like a church community center. Like, did you grow up going to, like, like church or anything like that?
1: Yeah, and you'd go in the basement and they'd be like, it's pa- Sunday pancakes. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Dude, such a church vibe. Like, so much of my childhood was spent in, like, weird back rooms that, like, I didn't Mm -hmm. really think anything of. But, like, looking back, I'm like, wow, that's kind of dingy. (laughs)
1: Yeah.
0: And it had the smell. There was just, like, 7-Elevens
1: always smell the same. Like, church rec rooms always smell
0: the same. Yeah. 100%. But now I feel like I would go to an event in one just for, like, nostalgia. I'm ready for the Mm -hmm. church room. This is what the quarantine's done to me. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I'm ready to accept dingy church rooms back into my life. <laughs> um, Is it not
1: my apartment? Wonderful.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, well, so we got there, and then when we when we wa- we were shown... T- first of all, I think they were, really like, confused that we were there. Like, there was not, mm-hmm. like, any hullabaloo around this event.
1: Mm-hmm. We
0: were just, like, ushered by somebody who we finally found into, like, a back room. And what was the first thing you noticed about the attendees?
1: They were all... Women of a certain age <laughs> say of a wise age a wise age, um I would say were, like
0: seventy five plus
1: yeah, and then maybe there was one woman who appeared to maybe be in her forties, uh-huh, the young one yeah, the young one, and then they were all white, and
0: mm-hmm. this sort
1: of presaged the internet terminology, but I think three to four of them were named Karen <laughs> yeah.
0: There so. were truly a lot of karens. Yeah. I, you know, I'm sure that they're not karens. I don't know. Yeah. We'll never know. We don't know their politics, but yeah. <laughs> they were ac- they were very sweet. Mhm. It was a lot of sweet old ladies. Like hair in like little nests, like the full thing.
1: Yeah. And um.
0: we walked in, we like blew in from the city. <laughs> And they were like very surprised that we were there. They were like, yeah. where, Like, who are you, and where did you come from?" And We told them we were from Brooklyn, and they were like so shocked.
1: Yeah, one <laughs> they woman couldn't believe it. told us about how she used to drive to BAM with her husband, and oh it was like God. really lovely. And she's like, "And now I can't do it anymore because he's too old." And I was just like, "Oh." <laughs> this got sort of, him. but that like, like set the tone of like them talking about aging in a very casual way.
0: That, you're right. That was, like, a really amazing takeaway. I mean, we had a great time for the record. Yeah. Truly great. And, like, sorry, go on.
1: Oh, I was just going to say that my favorite part, it was my type of event because there was, like, introductions telling us how it was going to go, and then we broke for lunch.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God, you're right. And then we went into that little, like, cafeteria rec room, and we were sitting with this woman, and I remember, I don't remember what her name is, maybe Karen, but she was wearing, like, she had, like, quite a look on. Do you remember? Yeah,
1: Like, mostly, like, turquoise, kind of
0: coordinated. Very turquoise, yeah, yeah. Like, maybe, like, beads and patterns and stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. And she, and this was, like, the famous quote of the day. She asked us where we worked, and we mentioned that we, like, worked at a website, and she said, like, well, what's it about? And we said that they covered, that, like, Man covered fashion. Um, and she, like, was completely shocked <laughs> that we worked in anything related to fashion because of our outfits, which if you we were wearing, like, normcore or something, like, maybe we yeah. were just wearing, like, jeans and jackets, but, like... I was
1: probably in overalls, like, it
0: was. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you were in overalls. I was just looking at that picture. Um, and she was, like... Let me get into character. (coughs) Fashion, (laughs) but you dress so regular. (laughs) Look at your shoes. Look at your jacket, and look at your friend. She's dressing regular too. (laughs) Truly shocked. Oh my god, we really loved her so much.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. We were cracking up. She couldn't believe
1: that we worked in fashion. (laughs) (laughs) We worked in fashion, that we found our way here. She must have thought we were, like, straight-up (laughs) grifters. Oh. She also is, like – I know she introduced herself, and she's like, I'm from Rhode Island. You can probably tell from the accent. And I was like, oh, I didn't know Rhode Islanders had accents. And I recently, like, drove through Providence and, like, got a pizza, and the woman delivering my pizza sounded exactly like her. (gasps) And I was like, oh, there it is.
0: (laughs) Oh, my God, Karen. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. I think, like, there was just such a cast of characters in there, and I do remember them talking a lot about aging. Like, they had a lot of, like, they... Multiple of them had had, like, partners who died. Mm Mm-hmm. And they just spoke about it matter-of-factly, kind of, right?
1: And their own accomplishments, too. Like, one woman was like, yeah, and then I had my children, and I decided to go back to school, and then I got my master's, and then I married again, and then I decided to get my... Like, it was just like, boom, 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 boom. Which I think was, like at the time, I think was very helpful. Because I was in sort of that, like, you know, who will I be? What will my work say? And then it was just sort of like, you know what, it's eventually going to be, it's all going to become a bullet point. Eventually, like, it was like, kind of nice to be in that space where they're just like, yeah, you just kind of like live your life.
0: I love I love that. That's so well put. I feel like whenever I read I, I feel like this is about books that are like multi-generational too. Whenever I'm reading a novel where you're jumping like fifty years and stuff, I love being reminded that scale. And just, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, they were married for three years and it was a whirlwind and like then I worked there for ten years and like I don't even remember it. And it's just like ten years? Yeah. Like and I love talking t- Yeah, I remember having that feeling with those women too just that sense of scale of like Mm
1: -hmm.
0: of like heartbreaks past that are just they're bullet points they're not like so huge but they and I I always find it really fun too to like be around older people who are like seeking out learning and to remember that like that's a lifelong journey Mm mhm I wrote about this recently because I was I took a um I took like a little seminar with Alexander Chi
1: mhm I love him.
0: Yeah, he did a he did a seminar that was called like how to write an essay collection, I think. Um, and it was and there was like there was this woman there, first of all there was like five hundred people in the class. So I was just like clicking through the zoom, like looking at everybody. <laughs> um Anyway, really long way to say a really short anecdote, but she was just, like, older, and she was, like, sitting in a Lazy Boy, and she was, like, really comfy, and she had her little notepad. She wasn't, like, up on her screen a lot the way everybody else was. Mm -hmm. And I I just love the idea of just, like, taking a writing seminar when you're, like, in your 60s, -hmm. and there's there's not this, like, linear path where it's, like, well, you're in your 30s, and you haven't published your first book yet, so, like, time is ticking.
1: Yeah. Just uh, call it a day. (laughs) Yeah. My grandfather ran poetry circles amongst seniors up until he passed away. And he was in hospice. And a woman heard that, like, he was nearing the end of his life. And she came from the poetry circle. And they had all decided together on a poem that they wanted wanted her to read to him as, like, a thanks for you know, running this poetry circle and being there for him. Um, And I just thought that that was a... I mean, I always thought he was wonderful, but I was just kind of like, these these people don't know him even, like, a scale, like, like one iota as much as his family does, and they appreciate him that much, and he crafted this, like, learning community. Um, And so I feel like stuff like that is... What's important? <laughs> it's really, li- no, it's really life-affirming.
0: And, like, learning in general, I think it comes back to, like, I mean, obviously learning is different from, like, anticipation, but there's this sense of, like, movement mm-hmm. and pursuit. Yes. You know? Yes. Pursuit versus, like, achievement.
1: Yeah, and expansion. And mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that was a really
0: nice thing about the workshop. And we also did, we did a little, like, well, there was eventually a writing exercise after yes. lunch. <laughs> um, like a very brief, like truly there was like, there was no learning involved. I think it was there. I don't know if it really counts as a, well, it was a workshop. In it was a like sense. a
1: generative workshop where you are there right. to
0: create a night? Yeah. Oh my God. And you know, it was so sweet. We, so I think we each did, we probably all wrote for like a half an hour or something. Right. And then we mm-hmm. all like read what we wrote. And we wrote short stories, I think. Yeah. Or you could write whatever you want, but I think we wrote short stories. And I remember yours is really good, which is why I really want you to write a, 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 short, a book of short stories. That's the only story I got. <laughs> <laughs> you're such a talented short story writer. I mean, you're a talented writer in general, but I, don't, oh, I feel you. mystified by the short story art form. So I really think
1: you should get on that, Nora. Oh, <laughs> Just adding some him. pressure. Yeah. <laughs> You'll have it ready for me? Is that what you were going to say? Yeah, I'll have a draft to you by uh, 2021,
0: January. Okay, yeah. I'll give you a deadline mm-hmm. for story number one. I'll be your pseudo-agent. Um, anyway, but, like, every time somebody finished reading, everybody was just like... <gasps> just, like, their faces filled with wonder. mm mm-hmm. They just loved... They, lo- I mean, I remember they
1: loved what you wrote. and They were just so supportive and sweet they were so sweet and they loved what you wrote too they were like you should write movies (laughs) (laughs) wait really (laughs) yeah oh my god i remember the story i wrote it was so stupid um there was also one woman who wrote about like how she was a child who was totally kept away from her mother's experience of childbirth And I remember that that was like such an interesting, I feel like that sparked the most discussion of people being like, that's how that was in that time. And that's how when I had my kid and blah, 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 Um, And I remember thinking like, oh yeah, wow. This is really just a, this is a, this is where the, I feel the generational divide very, very seriously here.
0: Intergenerational relationships are so fulfilling. It makes me, I remember coming away feeling like I wanted more. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, Yeah. I feel like maybe it's, like, getting older, too, because I also enjoy having younger friends, which is, like, not something I had that much of growing up, because my siblings were older, and now in New York, I feel like I have a fair number of friends, like, who are, like, in their mid-20s. Same, yeah. And it's kind of, it's fun, I like it. Like, there are Mm -hmm. different, we have different perspectives on things in a way that's, like, it's not always, like, me having, like, the, quote-unquote, like, wiser, necessarily. Like, everyone just has, they're on a different path. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like I remember having that with, uh, whenever we did the interviews with like the older women too. Remember? Yeah.
1: Those are, ugh, those are so fun.
0: I always walked away from those being like, I want to have like a weekly lunch date with this yeah. woman. <laughs> <laughs> uh Yep. This is, this is like what we need more of in 2021. More old, older, older people older of all people. sorts. Yeah, there should be. We should start some sort of like collective that brings together like old and young. <laughs> I feel like that has to exist. <laughs> I know, but I want us to make our own version of it. Yeah, and be like, because that was so nice. It was so like inspiring without it really even being was. like really having like any structure whatsoever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And being in like a super dingy church room, like the bar is low.
1: <laughs> yeah, we could find a nice church room. Yeah, yeah, or you know a um, synagogue. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they have, they have dingy rooms too. Yeah, a house of a house of worship. I do have a friend who joined. He's doing his PhD in English Lit in Berkeley, and he was just kind of like burnt out on academia so he joined the reading group at his temple and it's just him and like five older jewish ladies And he's like, it's the best thing and then he that's did, like, heaven yeah he sent around like an open reading list like an open course thing and sent it to a bunch of people and the only people who joined were the women from his temple reading group
0: oh my god that Aww. is so amazing yeah i love that I've te- You you know we should go to T's synagogue. I mean, like once that stuff is all opened again, because he's always saying that um, that we can come by. And I know he also like tutors kids, mm-hmm. so he's do- he's he's around a lot of generations all the time. And I feel like you can kind of tell in T's spirit.
1: Yeah, <laughs> just c- cool with everybody.
0: Yeah, I've always, I kind of want to go to like a like a synagogue service sometimes. Not obviously, I'm not religious, obviously, but I feel like. It sounds like nice. I mean, I kind of went to them sometimes as a kid, like
1: mm-hmm.
0: bar mitzvahs, bar mitzvahs, and bar mitzvahs. And, yeah, yeah. But you know, I'm a quarter Jewish, so I gotta tap into my you
1: my roots? ancestry.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. These are all ways I'm gonna fix myself in 2021. Mm-hmm. Old ladies, synagogues, and.
1: uh editing my short story collection
0: exactly oh my god my <laughs> my agent career
1: How could I your calendar is filling up
0: <laughs> it's filling right up this is see this is the this is the momentum i needed
1: yeah what would in in our like our vacation fantasy what is going to be the first thing you will do when there is like enough of a, there's a critical mass of immunization
0: oh I mean, definitely... Wait, are we, are we focused on trips or just, like, anything I would do? Anything. Oh, that's so hard. I mean, I definitely want to go to a bar and, like, go dancing. Yes. That's, like, an easy, immediate win.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, so fun. And then I... I mean, I definitely want to plan a trip. Like, I want to go... Avi and I have been wanting to plan, like, a big, big Asia trip. We want to, like, go to India and see some of his family. And I really want to go back to Japan. I haven't been to Thailand. I mean, I haven't been to, like... You know, I really haven't been anywhere in Asia except for Tokyo. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So I kind of want to go. We want to do like a big trip over there. Um, I don't know. What about you?
1: It's so stupid, but I want to go see a movie at BAM. (gasps) Oh, my God. Yes. A movie. Yeah. That was just like (sighs) such a net. Like it was just like such a nice regular thing. And I think that's kind of what I miss is, like... So regular! Moves. So regular! <laughs> just go to a movie, eat some popcorn, just have regular.
0: Oh my god, yeah, and I want to, like, work in a coffee shop. Yes. But going to a movie is such a good one. Because I was... Th- I wrote about that in my newsletter, just, like, the vibes. Did you- wait, did mm-hmm. you read that? Like, the, like... the yeah. The post-trailer, like...
1: Yeah, would be like, we have to
0: see that I'm drinking yeah. thumbs down, thumbs up. Um yeah like why is that so good I want that I <laughs> oh yeah Being, I love to be inside with other people is something mm-hmm. I've learned I'm passionate about <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah I feel like a much more social creature than I realized mm-hmm. I think yeah I think I like more intentional solitude not like solitude as a rule
1: yeah and I miss those like so stupid but like having banter with a waiter like, those oh my god, of, like, I
0: love that stuff. Like corny quick, dad
1: stuff. Yeah, like quick flashes of interaction that are like fun and low stakes. Um, oh my god,
0: talking to strangers, which you can't really do in a mask.
1: Because
0: it's really hard to understand. Like sometimes I'll try to do it and they'll be like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, it's fine,
1: forget it. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's much lost in translation when you can't see someone smiling.
0: Oh my god, I know. I just miss being able to smile at people
1: Mm mm-hmm babies in particular yeah you asked a couple like my coping mechanisms and it is I make everyone I know who has a child just send me videos I'm like your kids eating sweet potatoes I want to see that like (laughs) every single baby video because like I didn't
0: know you were a baby freak
1: love them I don't think I want any of my own but I just like love them and oh, I think when we were talking eight. about your nieces, where it's just sort of, like, things are really different for them. Like, watching my cousin's baby just, like, crawl and then walk and then now just, like, be this, like, little little tank is just, like, oh, this feels hopeful and something that, like, marks the time in a way that is... Progressive. Nice. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That do- I mean, even though it seems, like, hellish to have kids during this time, it seems also... It it, pro- it probably dulls some of the more kind of like mm-hmm. stagnancy that other people feel.
1: Yeah, especially if you have the teeny tiny ones that you don't have to sit in front of a Zoom screen all day. Like, mm-hmm. that is that is the the sweet spot.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, except for that, it drove my sister out of New York, which I will never get over.
1: Yeah, it looks like her life in Colorado is kind of nice, though. So,
0: I haven't accepted it. <laughs> I haven't accepted it. Um, yeah. No, but it is really nice. Like that those babies give me like the most joy of anything in the whole world. hmm It really is the little things, Nora. I feel like that's mm-hmm. the conclusion of our show. Yeah. <laughs> it's so cliche, but or the other. That's right. Wait, this reminds me of Wait, I have to find it before we leave.
1: No, it's too corny if I read it.
0: It's going to be too corny. I can't read it.
1: <laughs> Are you <It's> just... sure? <laughs> read it in an ASMR voice and then it won't sound corny. It'll just sound
0: <laughs> comfortable. Okay, 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 let me try. Wait, should I do soft-spoken or whisper?
1: I prefer soft-spoken. Oh, you do? Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: Wait, I've never tried doing soft-spoken. Whatever Wait. feels most comfortable to you. Wait, can you do an example soft-spoken? I kind of forget how to do it.
1: It usually has, it helps if they have a mic, so I'm going to hold this one. And it's just like, it's that, like, it's Blitz woman who's just like, and then I'm going to put some nice oils around your your face and
0: Dude, I want really to, relax. <laughs> I want her to put, that was really good. I want her to put oils on my face. For real? Oh, That's a good, <laughs> I'll have to link the Phoebe Bridgers, it's Blitz video. Yeah. Really good stuff. Okay. This is going to be even cornier because now I'm doing it in a soft-spoken voice, but are you ready? Mm-hmm. I want us to feel swollen by sentimentality and then hurt by it. Betrayed by its flatness, wounded by the hard glass surface of its sky. We crash into wonder, fling ourselves upon simplicity so it can render us heavy and senseless, deliver us finally to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't really that soft. I'll have to work on my ASMR, <laughs> ASMR voice, but... So, you know, sentimentality maybe takes us away from reality sometimes, but that can help us be more connected to our, our reality as well. Little mm-hmm. little um, variation in yeah. perspective, which we're lacking right now, but can seek out through other
1: means. Indeed. This was nice. I feel like this was maybe your most, like, low-key... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, no. I apologize I have, like, for not bringing. <laughs> oh, stop. You brought all
0: the perfect energy. No, no. I have, feel like I have a big... I feel like this, is, this was similar to like my, my conversation with T. A little bit more emotional. I mean, I brought my depression to the table, so I think it was probably my fault if there was any energy lacking.
1: No, that's... Yeah.
0: It was good. <laughs> no, it was really nice. It was so nice to talk to you.
1: Same. I did order Punisher on vinyl this week, <gasps> so I am still... I am still a sad girl at heart. It's really it's so comforting for me to hear that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that makes me so happy. I really want to get a record player. Just like I feel like I used to think it was kind of corny and now I'm like, I need a record player. It's great. It sounds so much better. the music sounds so much better not to be that guy. It sounds guy. so
1: much better. You like listen to you listen to a whole album, you're not like, oh no, this isn't right and also, like in a very concrete way, it like makes you get up, Ooh, which is good. <laughs> that's key. That's key.
0: So small goals. Yeah, that's my baby uh, my steps advice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the intentionality of listening to the whole album is really nice. Aubie mm-hmm. and I have been getting into CDs. We have CDs in our car. Oh, in your car. I was like, do you have a boombox? No, no, no. That would be really fun, though. No, but we have a (laughs) CD player in our car, and so we've been, like... All we have is, like, Yanni and, like, Kenny G Christmas and, like, Simon and Garfunkel. That is
1: all you need.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's really funny. Like, the Yanni is crazy. Like, Yanni's, like... It's really... some, Some of the songs are, like... I mean, can you picture...
1: Yeah, I all I know is what he looks like. Does he play a lute? What does he play? What's his? I instrument? honestly couldn't answer,
0: but I do imagine him with some sort of lute or wind wind instrument. Yeah. But it sometimes it gets like really um, kind of like energetic and fast paced, like almost like it would be in like an action scene in a movie. <laughs> and it was funny because it was on the other day when we like, got our COVID results, and I was like, <laughs> like, but I couldn't figure out how to open the results because like I didn't have the password. And like Yanni was playing, and we were like. <laughs> <laughs> like just adding a little drama to our pandemic experience you know sometimes you got to bring the emotion in if it's not mm-hmm. available to you otherwise
1: just I hope it back this episode will come with like a podcast or a like playlist of Yanni jams Yanni and Phoebe <laughs> Bridgers just like boom boom boom
0: <laughs> yeah that's a real wild ride that playlist mm-hmm. would be I know I was thinking I kind of want to convince Avi to do like a Phoebe cover for the theme song this week
1: yes
0: pretty good right
1: Mm-hmm.
0: okay alright well thank you so much Nora this was so fun it was really fun and thank you for letting me read some of your writing even though it made you want to cringe
1: okay. you're welcome
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna well it's, you're gonna hate it because I'm gonna read some of your other work before when I introduce you so Oh
1: my, well I won't have to watch you do it so that'll yeah. be
0: <laughs> that'll be better you can just stare yeah. out the window when it's raining as you listen to your own writing and just mm-hmm. get a little misty <laughs>
1: okay all right have a wonderful week you too happy sunday happy sunday i'll talk to you soon bye bye
0: okay that's it for this week if you'd like to stick around and hear an audio reading of my last newsletter i'm going to do that now and if not thank you so much for listening and i will see you next week bye stimulants I knew I'd jumped some kind of shark last week when I told Avi I was thinking of taking a sliver of an old Adderall I had laying around. I don't even drink coffee anymore for fear of getting too anxious, but the thought of sitting down another day in front of a blank page made me want to change my name and move to the woods. He gave me a look I couldn't quite place, eyebrows raised in surprise, or maybe suspicion. It might help, I said defensively. The first and only time I've taken Adderall for work was in 2008 when a friend in my freshman dorm gave me a 25-milligram pill, her daily dose, per her doctor, to help me cram for a final. I spent the day ripping through what felt like my entire textbook at the computer lab where I worked, gripped by a mania I'd never experienced. Whenever a student asked to buy a Scantron, I would trade them one for a dime as if I were being timed. My knees bounced so enthusiastically I had to swap out my rolling chair for one without wheels. Twelve hours later, I was still awake, imitating sleep in my twin bed until 7 a.m., eyes wide like buttons, a crystal clear sense that something was wrong and that thing was me. The next day I vowed never to do it again. Are you sure distraction is the reason you're having trouble writing? Avi finally asked. It's impossible for me to focus, I said. I think that's because you're depressed, he said. But what's more distracting than depression, I said. I decided not to take the Adderall. I'm ashamed for being depressed in my cocoon of relative safety, the impetus some combination of personal and global problems. A pandemic, a pandemic, a post-election hangover, a paucity of optimism, maybe most of all, the internet. A few days ago, I sent a friend eight consecutive text messages about someone whose political posturing was annoying me online. After writing the last message, before she'd even replied, I swiped to my home screen and deleted Instagram and Twitter. These apps, my personal IV drips of cynicism, were gone before I could second-guess myself. My text had been that deranged. I wasn't at rock bottom, but I was somewhere halfway down, in free fall, blaming gravity when I was the one who jumped, which must be the other definition of insanity. The next day, I was on the phone with my mom, and she told me she'd deleted Facebook. She couldn't take it anymore, she said. I told her I'd just been through the same. She was walking on the beach in California, the wind occasionally cutting out her voice. I was curled up under an old pilled blanket in New York. Politics were driving us both insane filling us with hatred for people we didn't know and loathed, and rage toward people we did and loved. Her, Republicans. Me, centrists. Fracturing whatever sense of community the internet was supposedly made to foster. Ha ha. Five minutes later, we were arguing about Obama. Her, defending. Me, criticizing. And we had to laugh at the irony. We stopped ourselves and said we loved each other. Five minutes later, she texted me saying I should be a speechwriter for AOC. Ha ha, I replied, and she said back, I'm not kidding. It's been five days since I incited my social media ban, and it's so far proved strange. With nowhere to scroll during idle moments, my fingers swipe to my camera roll and comb through it like a feed of memories. A three-second clip of Avi eating ramen downtown last year. A minute-long saga of my brother and I trying to get our baby nieces to say mama. An algorithmically created montage of a trip my friend Nora and I took upstate for a writing workshop in 2018. I've been reading the box of shampoo bottles. I've been reading the Bed-Stuy local news. Popular acai bull chain opens first Brooklyn shop. NYC suspension numbers plunged during remote learning. Man who pushed BK grandma onto subway tracks arrested. Avi's been keeping me abreast of any important Twitter happenings, as per our agreement. They're trying to cancel Baby Yoda for eating an endangered species of eggs, he told me earlier today. And then, 30 seconds later... Mind if I turn on some ambient forest noises? We all have our copes. I've been thinking about that moment in a movie theater, during the trailers, when you exchange looks with a friend as if to say, we have to see that, or holy shit, that looks awful, after each one. You're sitting in the dark, it's cool and comfortable, and you wonder if you're going to love the movie, or when it's too early to open the M&Ms. In two hours, you'll emerge from the theater, squinting in the sun. Maybe you'll get a drink, talk about the movie, Decide what you want for dinner or whatever. But the moment during the trailers specifically feels important. That brief, electrifying connection, shared in silence, utterly private and without stakes. On my desk in front of me is a ripped paper towel on which I've written, lowercase in blue ballpoint pen, boundaries. This is the single note I took during therapy last week. I told her I was worried my bad mood would always transmit to my writing, and then transmit it to the people who read it. And then maybe I would hurt people and have to shut down my newsletter because of my bad mood. She suggested I didn't have enough boundaries between myself and my work. And so I wrote that down on the paper towel I'd recently used for a piece of toast. Boundaries. As if I didn't already know that. As if writing it down might make it stick. Now I'm sharing it with you. Testing it. I need to delete social media too, said my friend, whom I'd spanned with angry social media texts. The problem is I'm addicted. That phrasing made me laugh, the spelling out of something so obvious it needn't be addressed. Like saying, I want to eat candy at 2pm because I'm bored. It's implied, isn't it? But maybe it's useful to say it, to acknowledge there's something good about social media that we don't want to give up, even as we lament its unrelenting ravaging of our mental health. For instance, one hour ago, when I saw a video of a stupid egg hack in an article about my favorite YouTube channel, 5-Minute Crafts, There was nothing I wanted to do more than post it everywhere with a caption like, Weekend plans. I wonder what I'd get out of that. I'm putting it in my newsletter now. Does that count? I wanted to take the Adderall, just a sliver, like my grandma used to take, but of Ambien at 2pm, because I thought it might enable me to write about something other than being mildly depressed. I thought maybe it would light a creative fire within me that would help me explore parts of my mind and the world that don't amount to, I'm in a bad mood because of everything. That's not really how stimulants work though, is it? I don't think they're so specific. For instance, I had a coffee this morning for the first time in two months, and essentially what it's done is helped me write this essay about my bad mood, but faster. Things are looking up though. I finally got my period, Trump lost, a vaccine is imminent. It's almost Thanksgiving and I've been told my shampoo's gentle formula helps to reduce dryness and restore the scalp's microflora balance without stripping or drying hair. There's plenty to read and do and be. Good music persists. Optimism finds a way, I'm sure, if we just give it a little space to grow.